Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. We exist for the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. For more great resources like this, check out TheRestingPlaceTampa.com. We're in week three of our Core Value Series, and we have gone through a step week by week talking about each one of these, honor everyone, empower everyone, and have faith for everyone. I want to do a quick review of what their definitions are. So, Hyson, just go with me slide by slide here. The first week we talked about honor everyone, and there's a definition for that. It means to properly assign value to every kind of person. Let's say that together. To properly assign value to every kind of person. The podcast is up. You can listen to what that all means, okay? And you can read about these things on our website. But that's the nutshell. That's the take home. That's the bottom line right there. That's what it means for us to honor everyone. It's actually a biblical definition, and that's, I proved that with 40 minutes of talking, so I'm not going to do it now. So the second one is empower everyone, and that means to give strength and confidence for every person to walk in godliness. Are you following me? Who was here last week? Empower everyone, yeah? Let's say it together. To give strength and confidence for every person to walk in godliness. So we're giving strength away. We're giving confidence away that you can walk godly. That's what we mean by empower everyone, okay? We're not just talking about setting up screens and playing music and serving coffee. We're talking about those tasks got to happen, all right? They do. Like last week, we had almost uh, our highest serve team number. It was over 40 people serving this gathering, the 40 people to put something like this on. You know, that's, that's a lot of work, all right? But when I say empower everyone, I don't want anyone to think, I mean, empower you to uh, run a live stream. No. When I, you're running a live stream, I'm going to put you in in proximity to a leader who's going to empower you to be godly, empower you for your everyday life. Are you following me? Yeah? Am I making sense? Good. All right. And finally, today is faith for everyone. Here's what it is. It's a divine persuasion that every kind of person is a candidate for the love of God. When I say faith for everyone, it means we have a divine persuasion, a persuasion from God that every kind of person is a candidate for the love of God. I don't care who they are. And I mean I don't care who they are. I do not care who they are. I was viciously attacked on Facebook recently, and I have faith for that person. I was called some awful names yesterday on Facebook for asking a question. I was. Terrible things. And I did not turn off my core. Are you following me? I didn't even have to try. It was like, wow, this, this person's in pain. And I, I believe that he's a candidate for the love of God. I have a divine persuasion in me. I have a divine persuasion, okay? So here's what I need you to understand about these core values. All of these are already inside the leadership of this house. They're already in there. I'm not saying this is where we're going. This is who we are, okay? This is who we are. Now, they guide us. They correct us. When we don't exhibit faith for everyone, someone on the team, probably me, says, hey, that wasn't a divine persuasion that they're a candidate for the love of God in that situation. You know, I will. I, we, we carry these things, you know. The Lord told me at a retreat we had that the core values will only go as far as you carry them. Our core values will only go as far as we carry them. And they're like a bucket that picks up water. The bucket is the core values. And it will only go as far as we carry them. If we drop the bucket and let it go and keep walking, no one around here is going to be honored. No one around here is going to be empowered. No one around here is going to be, uh, no one's going to have faith for everyone. Are you following me? So I'm inviting you today into a divine persuasion <laughs> that every kind of person is a candidate for the love of God. And I mean every kind of person. Abortionists. ISIS. 
That's right. I actually can say I have, I prayed for Osama bin Laden. I'm not bragging on myself. I'm telling you these things, God put these things in me, okay? I prayed for him to have a Damascus Road experience. I pray that he would, on his, you know, way to harm people, get blinded by the love of God. Because I believe he was a candidate for the love of God. Jesus said, bless those who curse you. Love your enemies. Just what Brian was singing. Love your enemies means you have a divine persuasion that they're a candidate of that love. It has to start there. This is what you can't do. I'll tell you what not to do, all right? I'll write at the front. You can't go, all right, if somebody harms me wrongly, I'm going to try and have faith for that person. No, no, no. You have messed yourself up, all right? Because the moment it happens, you can't go, ooh, faith for everyone. You can't just try to squeeze it out when the, when the thing happens, you know what I mean? When they hurt you, when they harm you, when they do something wrong. It's got to start now. You got to make an agreement in the peace of the storm, before the storm, right? So that when the storm comes, you just naturally, this is what, I, Brian, I just honor you, man. You're just so in the flow of the Holy Spirit. And you basically preached my message just now. You know what I mean? So I appreciate it. That's like Holy Ghost backup. I really need that. You know what I mean? So that's, that's my point. Are you following me? All right. So you can uh, take a picture of that or whatever. We're going to take it down in just a second. Um, anyway, these are all on our website. So I want to talk about just defining some terms. So what is faith? There's a lot, of, um, a lot of times people use this and they talk about what faith is, what faith isn't. And I can't, um, I can't move forward in talking about this without doing that as well. But I want to get to a, something new about faith that maybe you haven't heard, okay? Because how many of you have heard a message on faith? Raise your hand, everyone, even if you weren't paying attention, I'm sure there was a message on faith at one point if you've been in church for more than five minutes, right? So faith is defined clearly for us in Hebrews 11.1, 1, and this is what people use all the time. I'm going to read out the Amplified because it just kind of explains itself. It's awesome. Hebrews 11.1 1 in the Amplified says, now faith is the assurance, the title deed or confirmation of things hoped for, Okay? The title deed or confirmation of things hoped for, which are divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen or the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. Did you catch that? Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be, cannot be yeah, experienced by the physical senses. This is talking about seeing and the unseen, Okay. So uh, Hebrews 11.6, also defining a little bit further down, and I've got it in the Passion Translation for you. Um, it says in 11.6, without faith living within us, it would be impossible to please God. For we come to know God in faith, knowing that he is real and that he rewards the faith of those who passionately seek him. So faith is the essential ingredient to pleasing God because it's the starting point. You can't, you can't jump over the starting point, right? It's the starting line. Are you following me? Say amen. Faith is the essential ingredient to pleasing God. Right. Now, here's the deal. I, um, I heard an amazing, amazing quote from a guy named Dan McCollum this week. And the Lord just really drops this stuff on my timeline, my Facebook feed when I need it. It's like there. It's so good. He said this, your faith are the beliefs that hit your feet. Your faith are the beliefs that hit your feet. It means you actually do something. You start. I said faith is a starting point. You start. Faith are your beliefs that hit your feet. It's not professing things to be true. It's acting on the true things that you know are true. 
Are you following me? Yeah, this is a big topic, and I'm trying to boil it. But whatever, we'll do. I can prove to you that faith is actually beyond belief. So the work of God is to believe, absolutely. But faith is a gift, and it's actually beyond belief. Say faith is beyond belief. I can prove that to you. In James 2, verse 19, in the Passion Translation, I have it. It says, you can believe all you want that there's one true God. That's wonderful. But even the demons know this and tremble with fear before him. Yet they're unchanged. They remain demons. <laughs> Plain and simple. That means the devil believes in God. But the devil doesn't have any faith. It's a big deal. Really big deal. <laughs> faith changes you. Faith makes you do something. It's the confidence of things. You all have faith right now in the chair you're sitting in. I'm seeing the example of faith right now in front of me. You have faith that that chair is going to hold you for the next three seconds. One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. Uh, Chip jumped up. He's like, I'm not sure. Yeah. You're having faith in that chair because you're convicted of things that you haven't seen yet. You haven't, see, you haven't experienced yet, rather. You haven't experienced the next five minutes, but I, I promise you that chair is going to hold you for five minutes. Are you following me? That's faith. Yeah? So it's beyond belief, and it's a divine persuasion that every kind of person is a candidate for the love of God. All right? So what is faith not? Here it is. Faith is not wishful thinking. It's confidence enough to act. Faith is not wishful thinking. It's confidence enough to act. It's confidence enough to step. Say, oh, just have faith. Well, you know, what does that mean, just have faith? It means act faithful. <laughs> yes. It's also not blind. Faith is not blind. It sees into another reality. It sees into the unseen realm. Are you following me? Faith is not blind. And so uh, Romans 14, 23 also says, uh, faith is anything that, or I'm sorry, anything that doesn't spring from faith is sin. So whatever doesn't come from faith, the assurance of the unseen realm is sinful. Let me just challenge you real quick. If you need six confirmations, two fleeces, a dream, and a prophetic word from the restoration team after service with the words, I need to do this, you haven't stepped into faith yet. Those things will lead you into faith. But you actually have the gift of faith. You actually have the gift of God, which is the Holy Spirit, which I'm going to prove in a minute is actually the person of faith. So, <laughs> I'm just going to leave that alone. Faith, this is what I wanted to say today. I've done all that. That's my intro. Are you okay? You okay? Everybody okay? Okay. Faith is a person. Faith is a person. Faith is a person. Can you guess who that is? <laughs> Let's look at, um, I'm going to take you to Galatians chapter 3. I'm going to jump around into a couple different translations, but you can turn there in your Bibles if you want. Um, or your electronic device, you know, just make the page turning sound when you use your finger, just, you know, so I can hear the, that, I really want to hear it, it's just really fun. Anyway, um, this is the, the chapter uh, just after where Paul stands up and actually he talks about rebuking Peter in public, all right? P you know, Peter and Paul went at it, anybody know that? They went at it, and this guy publicly, Paul, publicly rebuked the dude who walked with Jesus, <laughs> You got to be pretty confident of some things you've seen to 
I'm just saying, you know. And so in Galatians 2, it's actually he's rebuking him for acting as if he needs to do righteous law-keeping works to obtain the righteousness of God. That there needs to be works for grace to come in. He's, he's accuses them, uh, Peter, of t- treating his Jewish friends one way and his Gentile friends another way. That when the Jews come around, he acts like there's laws. And when the, they leave, the Gentiles come around, he's like lawless. You know what I mean? And it's just not important. And um, Paul says, you, you and I know that we were not Gentile sinners, right? We weren't the ones who were on the outside. We were Jews, and that didn't give us any righteousness. He takes it back to the roots. He's like, listen, we grew up Jewish. Keeping that law thing never made us any more right with God than it never did. And you need to understand the law will never make you righteous. The law was never meant to make you righteous. The law was to prove to you that you can't be righteous. The law was here to reveal sin. A lot of people are like, yes, Jesus, but you have to keep these, the feast and the things like that. I'm, with all due respect, there is no thing needed to be added to the finished work of Jesus to make you righteous. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything according to your righteousness. Now listen, once you get into Jesus, once you become one with him, guess what your desires are going to change to? You're going to want to do righteous things. But when you're working your way into salvation, it's very different from working out your salvation with fear and trembling. Many people say work at your salvation. God said work out. Get it out. It's in there. Let it spring out. Let it grow. Steward it. Water it. Do, do disciplined things. Read your Bible. Absolutely. But not to become righteous because you are righteous. That's a major difference. One is a partial gospel. The other one's the truth. So Paul stands up and rebukes Peter for that. And then he says, my favorite verse in the whole Bible, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. The life I live in the body or the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Paul makes a bold claim and says, listen, it ain't even me doing the righteous things. I'm not even here anymore. What? That's a mystery. And I'm, every day I'm, I'm thinking about that mystery, trying to, you know, let it bubble up from my spirit to my head, right? You just got to let your intellect submit to the spirit of God sometimes because it ain't going to make sense, right? So... Paul rebukes him, says that, and then he goes into the process. Are you guys okay? I mean, this is like really teachy. I'm trying to. The process that Israel underwent to receive the Messiah, or at least to set them up in the best capacity to receive the Messiah, because many have not received the Messiah, right? They reject Yeshua as the Hamashiach, as the Messiah, the one who is to come, right? And so Paul goes through the the reality of the law being a tutor and a guardian. I'm going to read that to you, read some of that for you. Galatians 3, verse 23. I'm going to go through 25 in the Passion Translation. And then I'm going to switch translations midstream because whatever. So <laughs> I think it just helps. Here it is, verse 23. So until the revelation of faith for salvation was released, the law was a jailer holding us prisoners under lock and key until the faith, which was destined to be revealed, would set us free. The law becomes a gateway to lead us to the Messiah so that we would be saved by faith. But when faith comes, the law is no longer in force since we have already entered into life. All right, so he's saying, and I need to point out a couple things. Faith in this context, every time you see faith in that ver- these verses, it's actually used as a noun. 
It's a person, a place, or a thing. And this passage calls, even the law kind of personifies the law, a jailer, right, a guardian, a tutor. This is a common teaching device of Paul. It's actually what's called a term of accommodation. It accommodates the listener's ability to understand the nature and person of God. Are you following me? Okay. So this, ju- this tutor, this jailer, this guardian is what leads us to the person of Christ. Now, a lot of people have taught that the, the law actually raises us up even now and teaches us the way of Christ. But that's not correct because the word tutor there is not actually the one who teaches anyone. It's not a teacher tutor. This word used in the Greek is literally the kind of tutor that takes you from class to class. It's just a hall monitor who makes sure everybody gets there. They aren't in charge of teaching the children anything. They just, they're just walking them to the classroom. That's a very specific use by Paul because he doesn't want you thinking that the law can actually teach you into righteousness even now. All it can do is reveal your sin. Oh, I can't live up to that. I need a Savior. And then by faith, you get to enter in. It's like a gateway. Are you following? Yeah? So this is so important. And then verse 25, and this is where I switch translations. In the ESV, same chapter, verse 25, says, but now that faith has come. This is so, so important. You need to re- just say this with me. But now that faith has come. One more time. But now that faith has come. We are no longer under a guardian. We're no longer under a hall monitor. We're no longer being led from class to class. All right? For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. That means there's neither insiders and outsiders when you're sons of God. There's neither those who have the covenants and those who don't. Right? You're neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There is neither male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Now, lest you think uh, Paul is advocating for transgenderism, that is not what he's saying. What he's saying is the distinctions that you hold culturally that elevate one gender above another are not there anymore in Christ. The distinctions that you hold that elevate one type of faith or, or, I'm sorry, culture of the Jews, you know, their, their covenants and all that stuff, and the Greeks and their lawlessness, it's not there anymore. In Christ, all that goes away. In Christ, you have a higher covenant. In Christ, you're a new creation. This thing has been made into the one new man, the one new man. Are you following me? You're all one in Christ. And if you're Christ and you're Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Now, this is what I'm saying. Faith is a person, and Christ is the person of faith that the law led the Jews to. This is difficult. I know this is a lot of, I'm, like, this is very heady, and Sunday morning doesn't usually go this teacher. I'm sorry. I, this is I'm just doing my assignment here, all right? So come with me here. Faith is a person, amen? And Christ is that person, Amen? And the law led Israel to Christ. Amen? Amen. Now, we were not those who are under the law. So our situation is a little different. And there are a couple of people here with uh, Jewish bloodline and things like that. But it's, for the most of us, you're all Gentiles, all right? You're, mo- you're all born Gentile sinners, right? I mean, we're all outside the covenant looking in, right? Are you okay? All right. It just needs to be a little more fun in here. I don't know. And when we say faith for everyone, we actually can say Christ is for everyone. 
We're saying Christ for everyone. We're saying the person of faith for everyone. Yeah? Yes. We're saying there is a divine persuasion inside of us by a person called the Messiah who is actually reaching out to all people. It's reaching out from the inside out. The person of Jesus is reaching out from the inside out, okay? And this is because it's a desire of God that none would perish. It's a desire of God that none would perish. Any, any, I don't care who you are. I don't care. I don't care what your last name is. I don't care. Any leader who says that person is out of reach or that person, don't pray for them, blah, 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 is not operating by faith, they're not operating by the person of faith. I can prove it to you. 2 Peter 3, 8 through 9, in the Passion Translation, I have it for you. It says, so dear friends, don't let this one thing escape your notice. A single day counts like a thousand years to the Lord Yahweh. And a thousand years counts as one day. This means that, contrary to a man's perspective, the Lord is not late with his promise to return. Can we put this up? We have this, I think, 2 Peter 3. The Lord is not late. With his promise to return. I love the thread here like in worship and all this stuff. It's so cool. As some measure lateness, but rather his delay, come on, simply reveals his loving patience towards you. Because he does not want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. God does not want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. So for us to be a faith-filled or a faithful people, for us to say that person is not coming to repentance is cognitive dissonance. It's your brain having two different ideas that disagree with each other, but you're agreeing with them. <laughs> to say you have faith, but to say that person is not a candidate for the love of God is to be disagreeing with your own brain. It's a big deal. Look up cognitive dissonance. That'll mess you up. Listen to uh, Dr. Caroline Leaf. Amazing, amazing teaching on this. It actually causes chaos in your body and leads to illness. <laughs> yep. Some people are ill because they believe a dual version of the gospel. They have two different ideas in their mind that disagree. So I wrote a couple things here. Because the context of 2 Peter is Jesus returning, right? So Christ Jesus is going to return in bodily form. Say Amen. Christ Jesus is going to return in bodily form. Amen? Amen. It might not be the way you're thinking, but he is going to return, all right, in bodily form. But before he does, he is actually reaching out from our bodily form. He desires to bring everyone into the faith. The person of faith is reaching out from the inside of us to every kind of person because God desires that none would perish. Amen? The law brought Israel to Christ, but now we're the ones bringing Christ to the people of the world. Are you following me? Here's what you can learn from the law. You're a hall monitor. <laughs> You're a guide. You're the one going, oh, man, that right there is going to kill you. Let me show you. Let me take you to this other room over here. Let me take you through this gateway of Christ. The person of Jesus is on the other side. I promise you it would be better. Yes? Yes. So it, the law brought Israel to Christ, but we are the ones who bring Christ to the people of the world, the world. We carry the person of faith to the nations. That is why we must have faith for everyone. Faith for everyone is a divine persuasion that every kind of person is a candidate for the love of God. And so I don't, I don't know about you, but this challenges me often, <laughs> often, often. 
Because I, I actually talk to people who disagree with me <laughs> often. I actually engage conversation with people who are not very honoring, who are not very empowering, and don't have any faith. You know, I talk to people who aren't Christians. Uh, I talk to unbelievers. Oh, my goodness. And I talk about real stuff. We, I talk about real hard stuff. And my goal is not necessarily to change the way they think. My goal is to lead them to the person of faith. And so the way I say things is very important. And this core value constantly checks me. So do the others. But the way you say things, we said it in the first week, you can be very wrong in the way that you write, right? You can be very right but very wrong in the way that you write. And people have justified their righteous ideal or their, they've justified their unrighteous acts towards people because they have a righteous ideal. The ends justifying the means. And that's not right. That's not okay. Jesus called himself the way for a reason. There's a way, the way. And the way is love. Now that freaks people out. We've got such a, a, a poor understanding of the nature of God. Really, I mean, really. Would you be humble enough to admit that maybe you don't understand the nature of God completely? I'm admitting it to you right now that I don't admit the nature of God completely. Or I don't understand it completely. Hallelujah. Amen. Anybody? Yeah, okay. So when we step out and, our, and our, we're, we're actually casting judgment from the mercy seat, we're not understanding the mercy of God. We're not understanding the nature of God. And when we accuse people of having too much mercy, we're counting their trespasses against them. 2 Corinthians I believe it's five. First Corinthians five, second Corinthians five. I'm really bad with the first and second. It's like just make it one letter. I don't I can't put it all together. Right? I'm not so good with addresses. But Paul says we've been given the ministry of reconciliation, not counting people's trespasses against them, but pleading with them to be reconciled unto God. That doesn't say we ignore their trespasses. It doesn't say we say trespasses aren't trespasses. It doesn't mean we change the definition of sin and call it mercy. Right? This is so important, guys. I mean, we're starting a church right now in a time of just extreme dichotomy. And I, I would, if I were to diagnose the situation culturally, it would be bend or break. It would be bend or break right now. That's a, you're either going to bend or you're going to break. No, I'm going to stand right here. I'm going to do neither. <laughs> it's either you got to bend or you got to break. You got to say that, you know, God actually affirms homosexuality as a proper thing. You got to affirm it. Or you just got to not talk about it. That's breaking or bend. You see, you hear what I'm saying? You got to bend or you got to break. And I say, neither. I don't have to do either of those things. Don't tell me how to live my life. <laughs> right? <laughs> Here's what we can do. We can be like Jesus who lovingly stood for truth. Who actually made the people who disagree with him actually fall in love with him. And you say, what about the Pharisees? I mentioned it last week. Many Pharisees came to fellowship in the faith. You read the book of Acts. Many of them came to the faith. They did. So even the Pharisees, even the religious nut jobs who thought they had it all together, God really, 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 really enticed them in a way for them to be led to him. Are you following me? The person of faith is always drawing you in, never shoving you out. There is a day. I'm going to be as clear as possible. I'm just going to knock it all down here. There is a day that is coming. Where Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. That day is real. Again, this is like bend or break, man. People want me to break on this stuff, bend on this. I'm not, it's, it's just, I can't, I read my Bible too much to agree with your culturalism. 
I'm always reading this thing. You want a tip to stay, like, in the love of God? Never leave the Gospels. Just keep looking at Jesus. Keep reading. I read the Gospels every day. I'm not bragging to you. I'm telling you, this is what keeps me in my mind. It keeps me in the right mind. Oh, that's how Jesus would say that. Oh, that's what Jesus said. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's a reminder, right? So there is a day coming. Do I know the time or hour? No, neither do you. Hallelujah, right? And so until that day, we are to have faith for everyone. So many want to pull that day into this one and say, oh, you're going to be cast out into weeping and gnashing of teeth. That, you know what I'm saying? Has anyone experienced that? Yeah, and especially when people get into questions, they start questioning things. They start asking questions about the Bible. They start really investigating for themselves, and we freak out. We freak out and say, oh, my gosh, they don't even believe the Bible is true. I've got some opinions that if I drop them on you right now, some opinions that I'm in the process of investigating, if I dropped them on you, you probably would not come back. But all they are is opinions. All they are is my investigation of the truth. I say it all the time, but if you can't send your truth through fire, you probably should get a better truth. Send your truth through fire because it comes out even more refined on the other side. You should be allowed in church to question things. You're, listen, I'm going to announce it. You can question every word I say. I encourage it. If you just let me feed you, you're going to be malnourished. You eat once a week? Come on now. I mean, I guess you could read my books and take one per day or something. I mean, it's just ridiculous. You need to be allowed. You need to feel safe in this house to ask questions. You need to feel safe to, oh, my goodness, here's a scary word, explore. <laughs> explore. I've never seen that before. That's not God. Are you sure? You've seen the whole kingdom? You've seen the whole thing? You investigated every corner? You looked under every little nook and cranny. Yeah, okay. Don't think so. So this is, why, this is what I mean by faith for everyone. It means that in the middle of questions, in the middle of doubt, in the middle of doubt, guys, we cannot and we will not have any part of ostracizing people for doubting. We will not. You can say, Caleb, I doubt that Jesus is the Messiah. And I was like, that's, I hear you, man. I know a lot of people doubt that. Let's talk about it. Great. If you feel anything but that from one of my leaders, I have failed. If you feel anything but an invitation when you're doubting, when you're confused, when you're struggling with things, I, I've failed as leading my leaders. I've failed. That's my line. This is a core value. And I'm belaboring the point on purpose, okay? Because the church needs to be disciples again. <clears throat> We're supposed to raise up disciples. Do you know what the word disciple means? It means learner. Wait a minute, Caleb. You can't say we have to learn something. We're the ones who know things, and they know nothing out there. We know they don't. Yeah, uh, you know all things. That's true. Tell me about it. How about just tell me about all the things you know. You know all things. Even the mind of Christ is yours. I agree. Absolutely. Have you, do you understand the mind of Christ? <laughs> right. Are you hearing me? Oftentimes in the church, because we don't have core values that guide us, because we're not intentional about it, it's very easy to slip into, I know, and you don't. And it's very easy to take an elitist posture and condemn people for even questioning. Who wants to go to that church? Not me. Not me. Not me. What lost person wants to come in and say, I can't, wait a minute, okay, I just got to agree, but I can't ask any questions. 
So once I agree, I'm, I'm done asking questions. Okay, I'm going to get all my questions out before I agree. Are you hearing what happens? The fruit of your insecurity is people are held up at the gate. Don't come in here with questions. Get them all out. Once you get in here, no more questions allowed. Just agree. Just assimilate. Resistance is futile, right? Like, assimilate. <laughs> Am I making this up, or is this actually happening all across the Western church? It's happening. How many have been condemned for asking a question? Okay, be honest. How many have been felt like they'd be condemned for asking questions? Okay, yeah, about 80% of the room. We're not going to do that. We're not going to build that culture. Guess what? Because this is not changing. He doesn't change, so you can ask all the questions you want, man. The disciples didn't even know who Jesus was. It took Peter three years to get it that we're talking. We've been, we've been hanging out with God this whole time. He spent every day with them. Every day. They woke up. They woke up. Like, I just, I imagine the disciples on a hillside with Jesus under a tree. And Jesus is awake before everyone because he always is. And he's always praying. And he's just sitting there, like, staring at him, waiting for him to wake up. And they're just like, oh, oh Jesus, hi. Okay. <laughs> hey there. And he's like, I've been waiting for you. We're going to go raise the dead today. Are you ready? And they're like, what? He's like, I'm going to die. I'm going to be handed over. They're going to kill me. Are you ready? Here we go. I just see this crazy-eyed, passion, fully alive Jesus. I just do. I do. I don't think he's like, nah, I'm going to heal some people today. <laughs> oh, dead guy. Yeah, bring him over. No, no, right here. Right here. No, closer. Thank you. Okay. Live. Yeah, thank you. Good. Take him. Don't worry. He'll get up. He'll get up. I don't see that. I see Jesus waking up going, oh, the Father told me this morning what's going to happen today. I was talking to the Father, and he said, oh, my God. He said, I'm going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He told me to wait three days so I can raise him. Isn't that great, guys? They're like, oh. You know what their response was? He's like, when he says, let's finally go, they said, let's go die with Jesus. They missed it so bad. They were like, all right, uh, we waited. Now we're going to go die with Jesus. They thought they were going to die with Jesus. Let us die with him. Let us go die with him. I'm going to follow him to death, whatever. The amazing thing is they actually did, were, were going. They actually followed him. They totally missed it, right? They didn't have any idea who this guy was. In fact, they said, who is this man over and over and over? He gets out of the waves. He walks on the waves, gets in the boat, and he calms the storm. And they, they go, who is this guy? The waves and the winds obey him. What? Who is this dude? I mean, I know we have breakfast with him, and we see him. You know, he eats food. He goes to the bathroom. He looks like a normal guy, but he's not a normal guy. There's something else going on in there. Are you picturing this? Every single day, every day, every day, every day for three years, and it di they didn't have any idea who he was. And you want someone to come into church once a week and get it? You want to have a midweek Bible study and they don't have any questions anymore? What if this thing was about following? What if it was about following him? Jesus is going that way and I'm going to follow him. You know what Jesus, no way Jesus is not going. He's not going to condemnation. He's not going to judgment. He's going 
from and for the mercy seat. There will be a judgment day. I hope I've been clear about that. But you need to understand, he said, over my dead body will you have a judgment day. You've got to step over my dead body into hell. There is a hell. I can't put in exact terms what it is, but there is one. Am I freaking you out? I'm deciding which opinions to drop on you right now. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly. I couldn't put hell is A, B, C, D. I couldn't. I can't do that. I read my Bible a lot, and that's why I can't do that. <laughs> I'm messing with you now. But I, I can also, I can say this for sure, that Jesus is not leading people into hell. I can tell you this. Jesus is not leading people into shame. Jesus is not leading people into unrighteousness or wickedness. Jesus is not leading you to cheat on your spouse. So being a believer, being a faith-filled person means to follow him. Follow him. He didn't say prayer, prayer. He said, follow me. Let me, ah, man. Running out of time, but. The reality of our situation in church is we say, say a prayer and sit. You followed Jesus to the cross. Good job. No, no, no. You're supposed to go to the cross, die, and then get up out the tomb and keep walking. You want to know why there's no resurrection power in a lot of church circles? It's because they just sit in the tomb. Doors open. Look out there. There's light. Jesus went that way. I'm just going to sit here. I'm clarifying these things because this is called the resting place. And you're supposed to work from rest. You're supposed to walk in rest. It doesn't mean you sit down and rest forever. It means you walk in rest. It means you do everything necessary to keep your peace with God and with yourself so that you can actually release peace on the earth. These core values guide us towards that. If we continually honor everyone, properly assign value to every kind of person, if we continually empower everyone, give strength and confidence for godliness, and if we have faith for everyone, we keep a divine persuasion. We keep agreeing that everyone is a candidate for the love of God. We will continue to follow Jesus. They, these core values are so pivotal. They aren't cute. They aren't cheap. All right? I got this in a download. They have not changed. I got this in a download the moment I said yes to, to starting this church. I got it. It was like up in the J cloud, and it burst, you know, and came down to the no longer I cloud, and I wrote it down on my, I, my tablets, all right? So... And they're still there. They have not changed. So I'm just stressing this because I need you to agree that if you're going to uh, continue this movement that is the resting place, you're committing to these core values. You're committing to these. And if you're going to get in levels of leadership, you're going to get on a team, you're going to hang out and get in, like, fellowship with us and people like that, you need to be ex expect someone to say to you, hey, let's properly assign value to this person. Or the... The correction principle. All right, you're not really being very empowering right now. That was not a faith-filled response for that person. Where did you lose your divine persuasion that they're a candidate for love? These are the things I, we need to be talking about. These are the things that need to be said. These are the things I say to my team. And I'm just hoping it'll trickle out into the rest. So if you come to Fresh Start, I read this. Um, it's in our pamphlet, but just a few more things. Our absolute truth is this. Nothing is impossible for us. God has given us his spirit without measure, and we're able to co-labor with the Godhead to see heaven come to earth. Isn't that exciting? Like you're not just a recipient. You're a co-laborer. You get to bring heaven to earth. Come on. God never intended to get earth to heaven. 
And that's what happens when we just say prayer, prayer. Get your earth to heaven. God wants to get heaven to earth. This includes seeing every lost person found, every found person free. Our method of faith is simple. We take risk. We spell faith R-I-S-K. I don't really see it, but I'm sure it's there. Okay, that's a risk, right? We are not content with hearing about the move of God in the earth. We will become the move of God in the earth. This is where you're going if you want to follow us. If you want to follow us as we follow Jesus, we will become the move of God in the earth. We're going to join the wave. It's already happening all around the world. Revival is continual. You are a walking revival if you just start. <laughs> this is our deal. This is who we are. Faith for everyone. Are you okay? I hope I haven't offended you. Let me encourage you now with some, some testimonies. Everybody loves testimonies. Here we are. <laughs> our team, our restoration team who's up here every week. <laughs> I love being myself around you guys. I, I'm never going to turn that off, just so you know. I mean, this is how I talk on my couch. This is how I talk with the microphone, whatever. We've had incredible fruit from this faith walk already. We've had incredible fruit. This, the, the restoration team that comes up at the end, they'll be here today. They have faith for everyone. Emotional healing, physical healing, spiritual healing. They have faith for everyone. Everyone. And we've seen some amazing Things happen, all right? Some of you have heard of some of these, but, and here's what I love about every testimony I'm about to tell you. None of them, did I, I didn't pray for any of these people. I love it. I didn't pray for a single one. I have testimonies. I have testimonies from last week, but I'm not going to tell you about those. I'm going to tell you about my team, who's amazing and way better at this than I am. They are. They're better. Anyway, many words of knowledge that were called out over the past few months have healed the following. Sciatica pain, other issues with back pain, neck pain, knee cartilage, knee pain, Gout was healed in the last five months. Skin conditions and colon problems and many different emotional healings. There's too many emotional healings to list. Let me read you some specific testimonies, all right? Someone came for pain in their knee, and um, the, person saw, the person who prayed saw them healed enough to do jumping jacks after prayer. They could, like, they're, like, decrepit. Their knees are, and they were able to do jumping jacks after prayer. <laughs> call that a placebo. I call it a miracle, whatever. Yeah, you can celebrate these. Second one, a person with back pain who couldn't stand up straight was able to stand upright and bend down and touch his toes after prayer at this altar. Come on. He couldn't do this, and then he could do it. That's called a healing because they have faith for everyone. Come on. A person with their shoulder hurting beyond belief was healed, and they said it was like hot oil washed over it during prayer, like hot oil washed over their, their shoulder, and they were healed. A word of knowledge with the, uh, a man's specific name and a number was healed. He was a worship leader, and his vocal cords were actually healed. That day. It was his name and a number that meant something to him. And he came up. He said, that's me. And they prayed, and their, the vocal cords were healed. They actually, he actually was in an extreme place of hopelessness, and he left that place of hopelessness because of that healing. Isn't that amazing? Come on. One team member reported that God gave them some words for a woman, and they had been ministering to her for a few Sundays. And the way she loves and honor, so the way she loves and honors her husband has shifted greatly, and their marriage is doing amazing. Come on, that's worth celebrating. One more, and I really like this one. A gentleman who couldn't hear in his left ear came up for prayer, and after prayer, it totally opened. His left ear was deaf, and then he could hear. Listen to this. This is my favorite part of this testimony. He was a first-time visitor, and he said that he heard that miracles were happening here. The guy who couldn't hear on his left ear, 
I love it. This is God. The guy who couldn't hear out of his ear heard miracles were happening there through his right ear, apparently, and came, and he left with both ears working. Come on. That's so amazing. So that's what we mean when we say faith for everyone. We expect physical, emotional, spiritual freedom, and we expect it for our enemies. I cannot wait until witches and warlocks start showing up. I know. Some of y'all are like, oh, I don't want that. Don't worry. They ain't here for you. <laughs> leaving it alone. Okay. Amen? Say amen. All right. So because we have faith for everyone and we're, we're, we're aware of the times, you know, the sons of Issachar, they were aware of the times. We also want to be aware of the times and culture and even seasonal things. And this week is a, is a seasonal marker in our culture. Who knows what's happening this Thursday? Men, I'm trying to help you out. <laughs> Valentine's Day is happening this week, the 14th. Yeah. Okay. Did I get it wrong or something? It is this week. It's the 14th. Yeah. You're all looking at me like, okay, maybe you all knew. Good for you. Hallelujah. Good job. I'm trying to help all the other professional Christians on the live stream who forgot to get their wife something or whatever. But I'm bringing this up because we believe in marriage. We believe in covenant at this church. So we're going to do something special. I need my wife. I don't see her. Jamadi, where are you, baby girl? She's in the bathroom. Great timing. Awesome. She's going to come up in a minute. She is pregnant, by the way. We have two children, I say. Two. We have two kids. She Carries one sometimes when he's not running around. He, she carries the other every single moment of every single day. Yeah. That's a child in there. So I need her to come up because we're going we're gonna to pray a blessing over marriages. So here's what we're going to do. Everyone who is married, everyone who wants to be married, or anyone who wants to want to be married. <laughs> I'm trying to knock it all down here. Come on, baby girl. This is my wife. Isn't she gorgeous? I mean, look at her. Whose wife is that? Yeah. Goodness. I'm going to stay focused. Stay focused. Stay focused. She sits in the back so she doesn't distract me with her beauty up front. Yeah. Lies. We, we want to pray just a special <laughs> blessing over anyone who is married, anyone who wants to be married, or who wants to want to be married, or hope for marriage if your marriage is uh, not doing well, or you have pain from marriage or things like that spiritual marriage to Jesus. We'll take it all. Let's go. So anyone who is married, wants to be married, also just stand up right now. Just stand up. You can, it's good. No judgment if you sit. It's fine. Some people are supposed to be single, especially for a season, right? So right now, we just want you to, if you're married, just put your hand around your spouse or whatever, or if they're in the room. Or if you're by yourself, just put your hand on your own heart. We believe in covenant. We, we, we believe in oneness. We believe that marriage is the most potent picture of the gospel. We believe that Christ and the church is represented by man and woman in marriage covenant. That is the only representation of Christ in the church. Man and woman in marriage covenant. I will neither bend nor break. And I love you, no matter what you think. But this is who we are. Amen? I'm asking you to respect who we are because we respect who you are. Amen? So right now, and baby girl, you can pray whatever you want. I'll just start it. We're just going to bless you, all right? And if you're sitting down, bless the people who are, agree with the people who are standing or agree with this prayer for them, amen? Lord Jesus, we thank you for marriage. We thank you for covenant. We bless every marriage covenant right now with 
peace that passes understanding, with strength and confidence towards godliness, with faith for their spouse, Lord. We bless them with a divine persuasion for their spouse right now, that there's nothing that's going to get in the way to this love feast. This thing is going to be amazing. Not once a year, but every single day, a joyous, blissful, heavenly marriages in Jesus' name. And every hindrance that comes against marriages, we cast it down right now by the authority of Jesus Christ, King Jesus. We say, come in and break down every wall, break through every intimacy issue, break through every addiction, break through every hindrance that hinders intimacy within these beautiful ones. We pray for the ones who want to be married. We say we bless you with a beautiful partner. We also bless you to wait. Because come on, homegirl, you need to wait for the right one. We bless you to wait. We bless the men to wait well. Patience is not waiting long. It's waiting well. We bless you with patience to wait well. And we bless you with righteous unctions. We bless you with a desire and a conviction to stay pure in the waiting. We bless you with a holistic desire to reserve yourself for your partner. And to we relieve you from any damage you may have caused before this prayer by saying righteousness is your best option, I promise you. In Jesus' name, we bless each one. We bless each one in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Jamadi says, amen. Amen, amen, amen. You guys can be seated. Come on, let's give it up for marriages. So beautiful. Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. We exist for the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. For more great resources like this, check out theRestingPlaceTampa.com.